Let me just tell you this. Uh, so basically, uh, my name is Eric, last name Truel. Uh, I'm from uh, originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. I grew up in a home where my mom was Lutheran, my dad was Catholic. As a child, they sent me to a neighborhood Baptist church, okay? And so had this kind of weird little upbringing. And uh, basically this didn't come to faith uh, until a junior in college. It was at that point my life was radically, radically uh, transformed. Uh, there's just no... no uh, if, ands, or buts about it, uh, my life changed. And from that point in 1982 to today, uh, I've done nothing but really share the love of Christ with university students. So I work with a ministry, it's called Chi Alpha Christian Fellowship. Uh, we're located right over there on Johnson Street. Uh, I, I point out all the fast food places because that's what people remember, right? I, I don't know, it, you know, recently, a true, true story, I was talking to a bunch of serious Christians and I was saying, you know, uh, how we should pray. We should be praying for the world. Am I right? And, you know, uh, if we're concerned about the Muslim world, we're concerned about Islam, then anytime when you see a crescent moon in the sky, what should you do? We should pray for, for Muslims, you know? And so that's just a reminder. Boom, God put that up in the sky for us. Just as a little reminder, boom, you see, you see a crescent moon, pray for Muslims, as a matter of fact, we should be praying for the peace of Jerusalem and we should be praying for our Jewish friends to come to know the Messiah, right? So any Saturday, a Sabbath in, in, in the Jewish calendar, we should pray for our Jewish friends, am I right? So boom, there's two good ones, all right? Anytime you see a Taco Bell, you should pray for Chi Alpha. God was most gracious and just put those things everywhere like a plague. And so uh, it's really easy to think of, uh, you know, there's a Taco Bell, pray for Chi Alpha. I, I think we'd get more prayer. What do you think, Mike? <laughs> if you're paying attention. But anyway, so I, I work with Chi Alpha. We're, we're located right over there on Johnson, St. Mary. There's Taco Bell, Papa John's, and then our place. Uh, we kind of wrap around all over there. Uh, my wife and I, uh, let me just show you uh, them. It's, it's so much easier to travel with pictures than real people. Uh, and so my, <laughs> uh, it's cheaper too. I mean, it really is. It really is. But um, anyway, uh, so my wife uh, is from Panama, or actually, I'll just, I'm going to give you the real story. She is of Panamanian descent. However, she's first generation uh, U.S. citizen, so she didn't really need me to get the card. But, um, <laughs> I, you know, people are like, man, how would you get such a good looking woman? Oh, she just wanted a green card. But, uh, no, but that's not true. That's not even close to being true, okay? But um, uh, she's got more going for her than I, I ever will. But um, she actually, her parents are Panamanian. They got married in Panama. And her grandmother, uh, a very strong abuela, abuela said, uh, you can marry my daughter to, you know, her, my, my wife's uh, father to, you know, her daughter, and said, you can marry her, but you have, to, you have to get out of Panama. And so they got married in Panama. They went to New Orleans just kind of like for a honeymoon and stayed for 12 years. And so in the process, my wife was born there, uh, and then they moved back to Panama, so she moved back. So she's kind of dual culture. Anyway, we got married in 1985 uh, and uh, moved here to Lafayette, just the two of us, uh, in 1987 to re-pioneer the Chi Alpha group. The Chi Alpha group here started in 1970, uh, and then basically in 1987, it uh, had kind of dwindled down. There were only three uh, students that were left, uh, and Brother Francis Martin, which, by the way, let me just say this, um, and, and you, know, you know, you may get tired if anybody has heard me speak, but I truthfully believe you give honor into whom honor is due. And, 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 you know, you can't say it enough. You just can't say it enough. 
And Brother Francis, let me just tell you something. As I'm sitting here this morning, and as I'm, I'm just perusing and, and looking across the congregation and then up here on the platform, there's just such a, a, a vibrant, um, visible sense of your legacy. Because when, when I see Mike Williams, who used to lead worship for you, and then I see Maria over here, his daughter, and then I see the young staff members, and then I look across and I see beautiful children uh, that are here in the congregation. This is genuinely a multi-generational church, which, by the way, you don't see that as much in America today as you see here this morning. But it's not just even here this morning. Brother Francis, I believe, is a part of your vision of calling this place family life and the importance of family. I really don't think we we see things lived out. And, And man, to be a part and to see it lived out, we've got to be able to rejoice and praise the Lord for that. Somebody say amen. Amen. Well, in 1987, my wife and I uh, were invited to come re-pioneer the Kyle group here at uh, UL or USL at the time. Brother Francis was one of the first churches. He paid for our moving expenses. Uh, a young man by the name of Gerald Broussard, uh, who, who's a part of this church, Gerald was one of the three students uh, when, we, when we got started. And actually, Gerald was there to help us uh, unpack uh, and get settled up uh, here in Lafayette in 1987. Uh, and, and then in the process, we started to reproduce. We've got three beautiful uh, adult uh, children now. Uh, they're not really children. I guess you can't say that anymore when they're adults. Uh, two of them are genuinely off the payroll. And so... Um, <laughs> The oldest one, Anna Christina, graduated from UL. She's got her own photography business and does lots of different uh, wonderful things, very talented. Uh, Victoria Isabel uh, uh, graduated from UL and uh, was living out in California, working there, and then moved back, and now is working at Stuller Settings here in town. And then my son, Benjamin. Let me just say this. So we've been praying for Benjamin. I've been soliciting prayer for Benjamin, um, just, you know, believing that he was going to kind of graduate before Jesus came, right? And so... Um, but here's the, here's the thing, um, you know, I, my prayer had been, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, you know, I mean, because I was just believing for the rapture before I had to pay another semester of tuition. And um, the thing is, we've paid already for the fall semester. He's graduating this December. So my prayer is, Lord, let's just wait till we get the diploma. <laughs> I just want that diploma probably more than he does. You, you know what I'm saying? So so he'll be graduating in, uh, in, in December. And so I am truthfully excited. Somebody say praise the Lord. But anyway, actually, I got, I got great kids. They're all wonderful, uh, uh, true blessings um, as far as uh, uh, that's concerned. Hey, just a couple of different things. Um, our ministry our ministry has just grown from the three students uh, to today, well over uh, three to 400 students are active in what we do on a, on a weekly basis. We have lots of different things uh, that take place and transpire on a regular basis. We have a regular worship meeting on Thursday nights. We do a free meal uh, every Wednesday, which you guys are a wonderful blessing in serving. This marks uh, 29, 30 years 
of that free meal thing going on, which means that's a lot of pasta and a lot of red beans and rice, baby. Uh, and so, but that's been happening consistently for the last 30 years. Uh, and so each week a church provides the meal. And right now we average between 120, 150 students that come every Wednesday for a free meal. It, it, it is pretty remarkable. Each week somebody gives their life to Christ. Uh, it's, it's highly evangelistic in, in what we do. Picture you see up here is just a little snippet. That's at the beginning of our, uh, our fall semester, our big out reach stuff. This year we had probably over 1,500 students on our parking lot uh, uh, between a combined two-day event. Um, and so uh, God is really blessed and there's incredible things happening. We've got students from every uh, kind of background that you could imagine. Uh, in addition to just reaching normal students, uh, we do a lot with athletes. I serve as a chaplain for our UL football. Uh, and, and let me just tell you this, uh, even when the season's not doing well, good things are happening, okay? I'll just tell you that. Behind the scenes, uh, good things are happening. Uh, our athletic Bible study right now, we've got a, a wonderful group uh, on Wednesday nights that meets, uh, and then they've kind of uh, put together their own little worship team, which is great uh, to see athletes uh, serving and worshiping the Lord. And, and I don't want to embarrass anybody, but right here in the middle, I've got a couple of wonderful friends uh, from UL Softball, which, by the way, I don't know if you know this or not, but the UL Softball program here, here is like one of the top in the nation. Uh, and so, um, but uh, two home run hitters are sitting here in the middle of, of church uh, right here. And I don't know about you, but I, I, I praise the Lord anytime athletes that are good on the field and, and love God and, and are serving him. Uh, man, that's, that's, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Which, by the way, if ever you got any kids, you want to go out and watch uh, UL softball, it is well worth uh, going to and cheering on Aaliyah and DJ. But anyway, I didn't want to, I didn't want to embarrass them. Okay, good. But you'll, you'll notice them on the, on the uh, field. They're the ones that hit the balls over the, the little fence on a regular basis. It happens. It's great stuff. It's great stuff. Anyway, uh, so that, that's what's happening there. But, uh, man, every semester we're baptizing kids in the UL pool, which is great. Uh, that brings great life uh, to what's going on, which means every semester, man, just the kids that are coming to faith, being discipled, growing in their faith. Truthfully, uh, really, it's been the last uh, few years, every week we have at least a student uh, making a decision to follow Christ. Uh, because that's what we see is our purpose is to be on the campus. We're not waiting for students to come to us. We are actively going after students in lots of different ways uh, on, on a regular basis. So we got that happening. Uh, great stuff. All right, let me just tell you this. I want, I want to bring you back to, to 1987, 1988. Um, my wife and I, when we first moved here, Basically this, we first moved here, we had zero, zip, nada. Uh, and, and man, just God began to piece things together, begin to piece things together. We, we, were, we were living in a little rental house and we were paying, I think, $300 a month in rent. Uh, it was just a two-bedroom house. And then as things began to develop, uh, we needed space. We needed uh, an office or something of that uh, nature. We found this little yellow house uh, that's located right behind Taco Bell. Uh, and it was, this is where uh, we started off uh, in 1988. There was a gentleman uh, who owned a company here in town who heard me speak. And he said, Eric, what do you need? And I was like, well, we need an office. We need a house. And he, he looks at me. He goes, okay, you find something. I'll take care of it. And it's like, dude, all right. Don't move. I'll be right back, you know. <laughs> And, you know, in true Eric fashion, I, I didn't remember his name. <laughs> None of those kinds of things, right? Anyway, it all worked out. 
basically his company paid the rent on the house uh, for five years, $400 a month. Okay, $400 a month. And that doesn't sound like a lot today, but dude, let me just tell you, when you have nothing, that's, that's a lot, <laughs> okay? And so every, every month, I would have to walk to the post office box and I would do what I call the walk of faith because I'm believing that the check is coming because I knew at any point it, it was time for us to move out of the house, if you understand what I'm saying, you know? But I'd walk and I'd go, he's not my source. God, you are my source. God, you are my source. And I would do that every month. And it took five years for that to kind of get into my spirit. You understand what I'm saying? And so, boom, now I'm, I'm a man of faith, right? I'm a man of faith. And let me tell you something. Man, one night on a Thursday night, I, I, get, I get to feeling pretty froggy and that my students need an injection of faith. And so, man, I stand up on a Thursday night and I look these students in the face and I begin to preach. And I, I came up and I look them in the face and I go, you know, whenever adversity comes your way, it's nothing more than an opportunity for faith in God to well up in your heart, to believe God, to see a miracle come to pass. Dude. Amen. Man, I walked away. I was like, oh, yeah, that was good. That should be on uh, CBN or something or whatever, you know? And I was like, I, I, I felt pretty good. So that was Thursday night. Friday morning, I go into the yellow house. My office is right there where that little blue thing was uh, at that time. I go in. I barely sit down. And this guy comes walking in. And here's the deal. The guy is a bona fide cult leader. He's no longer in town that I know of. I think he might be in prison. I don't know. But, but he, he'd been eyeing our ministry. And he knew that he felt that that yellow house was, was the place that his little group needed to be. So behind my back, he went to the owners of the house and negotiated a deal to buy the house. Now, this is 1993. We've been renting, you know, for, like I said, for four or five years. And I had no clue that this guy or anything was going on. Our desire was to buy, but, you know, in, in the sweet by and by kind of thing. Well, all of a sudden, before I could sit down, I mean, he just looks me in the face and he goes, I got one question for you. That's his greeting. I got one question for you. Where are you going to move when we buy this place? And of course, I go into my best Daffy Duck. I, 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 I mean, I, I, have, I have no clue, you know? I have no clue what you're talking about because I, I, I didn't know I had to move. And so I, I did the best thing I could. I went into nice mode. <laughs> you ever just go into nice mode? Oh, well, let me show you the house, <laughs> Vanna White. I mean, I just start, you know, showcasing the house because I'm, I'm, I'm panicking mentally. I'm panicking, Right. And so I just kind of start showing them stuff and try to figure out how to get them out of the house. Well, I get them out. And dude, let me just tell you something. As a man of faith, as a man of faith, guess what? I did what any man of faith would do. You know what that is? I got on the phone and called my wife. Okay, that's what you do. <laughs> I called my wife. <laughs> Maybe you won't believe that. <laughs> and she's like, you know, we just reproduced, I think, for the third time. And so, you know, she's busy. <laughs> she's got a job. And so she said, I need to put you on hold. And so she, she puts me on hold, you know. And, and so here I am, I'm panicking, and, and now I'm on hold. Man, let me tell you something. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, um, I, as I'm on hold, I hear on the phone... 
another voice. Guess whose voice it was? It was my voice. And it was saying, whenever adversity comes your way, it's nothing more than an opportunity for faith in God to well up and to see a miracle come to pass. And I'm like, cheap phone, cheap phone, cheap phone. <laughs> Dude, now all of a sudden I realize, wait a minute. And my wife gets back on the phone like, baby, I got to go. Boom. Because <laughs> you know, I, I, I know what I'm supposed to do, right? So I call on my board members. I explain what's going on. And they're all like, well, Eric, call them. Tell them we'll buy it. All this kind of stuff. And then, you know, it's like, okay, you sure? You sure? You sure? Pause that thought just for a second. Probably three or four years earlier, three years earlier, my wife and I, we were living in a rental house. We're looking to buy a house. Okay, and this is when the market was super depressed, you know, all this kind of stuff. There was a house we found, a three-bedroom, two-bath brick house for $39,000. I go into this bank to see about purchasing a $39,000 house. And so I, it's, dude, that's less than what I'm paying in rent, right? And so I go in, I lay out the stuff. The lady looks at my papers, she looks at me, she looks at my papers, she looks at me, and then she goes, ha! <laughs> She's like, there's no way. There's no way. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know. Now, what does that do to a man when, when you know, you can't even borrow $39,000 to buy a house? You understand what I'm talking about? So, dude, I've got this megaphobia about banks, Okay, uh, so I don't, I don't want anything to do with that. Great, okay, now we're back. So the board says, tell them we'll buy it. Tell them we'll buy it. All right, I'll tell them we'll buy it. So I call the owner and I go, hey, John, what's going on? He goes, hey, Eric, I, I have no clue where these people came from. I got a clue where they came from <laughs> and I have a clue where they need to go. <laughs> In Jesus' name, of course. Bless them. Bless their heart, right? Anyway, he goes, but, but you know, they, they want to buy it, and, and uh, you know, but I'd prefer to sell it to you. I said, oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. We'll, we'll buy it. Okay. Eric, that'll be $90,000. Cheap phone, cheap phone, cheap phone. <laughs> Let me tell you, $90,000. I'm getting ready to open my mouth, and let me just tell you, internally, this thing called fear gripped my heart. Fear. Now, let me tell you what happened in a minute. How many of you are afraid of spiders? <laughs> afraid of spiders? Spiders are so cool. Spiders get such a bum rap, but, but you know, if you look at a spider, a spider can do all kinds of things. From an engineering point of view, spiders are awesome, but spiders trip a lot of people out, you know, and it's, it's not their fault that you didn't see their web. That's all part of what they do. They're not trying to catch humans. Very few spiders go, oh, I'm going to catch me a big old human now. You know, it's like, no, they don't see you like big Boudin. They don't see that, you know. 
they see you as, as the enemy, but they're trying to get flies. They're trying to get dumb little insects. I mean, they're just you know, a few little things. They're just trying to survive. But, you know, so many of us are afraid of spiders. Now, if you're not afraid of spiders, chances are you're afraid of them flying cockroaches. <laughs> flying cockroaches. You know, I, I, I don't know what that's about. You know, I really, you know, that's going to be one of the things I want to find out in eternity. God, what was that about? I mean, I grew up in New Orleans. I mean, we thought they were, we thought they were ceiling fans, okay, when I was a kid. You know, they don't bother me. Uh, you know, but, you know, sometimes you step on them and you keep going, you know. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. And so, you know, flying cockroaches. Here's, here's the weird thing. Here's the weird thing, okay. I, and, and. By the way, let me just tell you this. So my son, I, I think I've told you this. My son, smart kid, smart kid. When, when he was young and I'd go preach places, he, he realized that I would make fun of him sometimes. And so then he jumped on it. And he goes, Dad, anytime you say my name and make a joke about my name, you have to give me $10. So, oh, Benji, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. All right, I'll do it. And so every time I'd preach, I'd have to think, is that worth $10? I help pay for college this way. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> yes, that's $10 worth. Well, the, the agreement was until he was 18. Well, he's long past that shout. Now I'm making up. I, these are freebies, okay? These are freebies. All right. And then the girls tried to get in on it. Well, I want that too. No, nope, sorry. First one, first come, first serve. He got it. So, you know, boom, next time. Anyway, so, um, so here's the deal. My wife, deathly afraid of these flying cockroaches. Let me tell you, early on in our marriage, I mean, you know, we were just enjoying marital bliss. I mean, we never had a crossword, never had trouble. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, you know, we, we, we did all the normal stuff, right? Being married's tough. Okay, thank you. All right. So, I, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. We're having a little spat and we're living in an old house in Thibodeau, Louisiana. And, and uh, so she goes to the kitchen and she's trying to come back from the kitchen. And, and this cockroach, it was almost like he was related to me. He just, he just planted himself in the, in the doorway. <laughs> you know, he's not going to move. And she's like, ah, ah. And I come running thinking, you know, somebody's breaking in the house. And it's just this cockroach. <laughs> and I stood there on this side of the thing going, Really? Really? Kill it, kill it. I'll kill it as soon as you apologize. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, we're still married. <laughs> but, but you want to know what's crazy? Her fear of flying cockroaches ha has gone down to all my kids. The girls are all deathly afraid of them flying cockroaches. Not only the girls, but here's my son, Benjamin, the son of my right hand. He's like my Esau. This boy will go out hunting. He will shoot things. He will jump on the back of deer and just break their neck. I mean, he'll just, I mean, he's that kind of kid. He'll take it, skin it, whip it, cook it, wrap it in bacon and put cream cheese on it. You know, I mean, I mean you know, he's that kind of kid. He goes in the bathroom. Ah, he's screaming like a 12 year old because there's a flying cockroach. Dad, come get the roach. It's like, brah, really? Really? You are bigger than the roach. <laughs> anyway, that kind of gets passed down. It kind of gets passed down. What are you afraid of? What are you afraid of? Everybody's got some kind of little fear of something. Some people are afraid of, of, of losing all their money. 
Some people are afraid of this. Some people are afraid of that. Some people are afraid of Pokemon. I mean, you know, there's lots of different things that people are afraid of, you know? Afraid of being alone, you know? Afraid of death. There's lots of things that we deal with when we talk about this fear factor. And, and, and the reality is, I just want to say this, I, I really believe that when you look at the makeup of human beings, the way God designed us and the way he crafted us, do you know that fear is not something that is built in in the hardwiring of who we are? Babies are built from, from the ground up for love and acceptance. And, you know, that's why you, you never see a baby, you know, look at their mom and go, ah! <laughs> you know, I don't care how ugly the mama is, you know? <laughs> right? That's just not it. That, they're built for love and acceptance. Fear is something that we learn. Fear is something that is instilled in us. Now, uh, some of you I know are sitting there going, well, that's not exactly true. No, no, no. We have a natural um, a, a built-in thing, a fear factor for survival purposes, yes, a big 18-wheeler coming down the street, you're in the middle of the street, there's something inside of you that says, get out, right? And if it doesn't, well, it doesn't matter, right? Because <laughs> you'll never use that again. But anyway, um, but the reality is that the, the fear thing that causes us to be debilitated is something that is learned. So this morning, I, I want to talk to you about overcoming fear. I want to talk to you about overcoming fear. Now, just so that you understand this, uh, I, I, am, I am not Dr. Phil, um, and so that's not what this is about. I'm all about reading Scripture. I'm all about the living Word of God and looking at it because I really do believe God took the time to put things in the book. If we would take the time to read the stuff and, and kind of just chew on it a little bit, it's amazing what will happen. Do you know that fear, uh, well, first of all, you know, faith comes by what? Hearing. So does fear. Faith comes by hearing, and so does fear. And the thing is, you know, when people say, well, do I have to go to church? Well, you know what? You don't have to do anything, you know, really. But wouldn't you want to be someplace that's going to build your faith? Don't you want to be someplace that you're going to hear the word to build up faith because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. If you're not being built up, then you're being torn down by something. Watch the news. Is that going to build your faith? No, no, no. As a matter of fact, it's going to tear it down. You know, uh, my, my wife's uh, grandmother, man, when, when shortly after reproducing, she would send us every newspaper article about babysitters gone bad, you know, um, because that's all she would read. It's like, all these babysitters, they come, they chop off the heads of babies and, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you know, she's just whatever horrible story. And so that's what she was meditating upon. So it, it, it caused her to come move to Lafayette and babysit our kids 24-7, but <laughs> which is okay. It was okay at the time. Let's go to the book of uh, Acts. There's a, there's a character by the name of Ananias. Ananias is mentioned. There's three different Ananiases in the book of Acts. Uh, the first Ananias that's mentioned is the Ananias who lies, if you remember that story. He lies, and his wife, Sapphire, they, she lies, and what happens to both of them? They die, right? Now, just for fun, <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if God did that, like, coming up real soon, like, maybe tomorrow? Wouldn't that be cool? 
Do you know we have nobody running for president, you know? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you imagine how quiet, quiet CNN would be? <laughs> Dude, there's nothing. <laughs> just liars start dying left and right. Whoa. Anyway, just food for thought. There's another Ananias uh, back in the book of Acts, but this particular Ananias, it's really the one place we see him. It's the one place we, we see and hear anything about this guy, and I really believe we can learn something uh, from him. Acts chapter 9, uh, verse 11. The Lord told him, oh, I'm sorry, let's start in uh, verse 10. <laughs> yeah, that's where it begins. Uh, in Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Okay? Uh, do I have the right one up there? Yeah, I do. All right. I want to pause there just for a second. If you notice in verse 11, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. You know, we all have those you know, phones now, those little smartphones, right? And we put the maps on, the Google Maps. Can I just tell you, God was all about the Google Maps way before we had our iPhones. You understand what I'm saying? So he's given them specific directions, where to go, whose house to go to, and what's going on in that house. I like this a lot. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. So he's telling Ananias, there's this guy, Saul. He's praying. He has seen a vision of you coming and laying your hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Verse 13, Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on his name. Now, again, uh, Ananias is just saying, hey, Lord, do you understand how bad this guy is? As a matter of fact, we would probably tag him as a terrorist today. Uh, verse 15, but the Lord said to Ananias, go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. 17, then Ananias went to the house, entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts uh, uh, verse 18. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up, was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. Now, what, a, what an incredible little story. Simple little story. The only place we see this guy, Ananias. Ananias, scripture says, he, he's a disciple. He's a disciple. So the first thing we want to look at is the fact, and I'm going to skip that. Beautiful. First thing we want to look at is that he is a disciple. He's a disciple. Now, I, I, the scripture mentions it, but then we see some specific things in how he's living his life. Now, a couple of different things. One, I think it's important for you and I to come to agreement and understand this. Not everyone who goes to church today is a believer. True that? Okay. And not everyone who even says they're a believer really is a believer. 
okay? Um, when we look in Scripture, unfortunately, Western Christianity, what we're a part of, tends to be a little bit more watered down. We tend to have the idea that being a Christian means I go to a church, I give some money. Those are our two big things uh, that we think are, are, are the issues. But actually, when you dig back into Scripture, there's this term called disciple. We're not just looking for people who give adherence to an ideology. We're talking about people who devote their life to following and practicing that ideology. Not only the ideology, but actually are practicing and following the teachings specifically of a person by the name of Jesus. And so being a disciple of Jesus means that every aspect of who you are revolves around him. And the fact of how you think, how you operate, how you use your resources, all of them come under his lordship, i.e. putting you in a category called a disciple. Well, here's Ananias. Dude, here's a, here's a, here's a guy who scripture says point blank, he is a disciple. He's not one of the original 12. He's one that came about later that should be in the same category as you and I. Well, here's Ananias, a disciple. What is one of the key characteristics of this disciple? Well, the fact that, one, he heard the voice of God. Here's the, in Damascus, there's a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him in a vision, Ananias, and Ananias says what? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. It's probably one of the most uh, endearing types of responses. It means, yes, I'm with you, heart and soul. It's, it, it's like, boom, here I am, whatever it is that you call me to do. That's what that phrase basically means uh, in, in our culture or in that culture. Characteristic of a disciple is one who hears the voice of God. Now, let me just say this. Do you know that real, reality is today, so many people will tell me, Eric, I, I just... I just don't hear the voice of God. And it's like, well, I, I think there's a reason for that. And I don't think it has anything to do with God. See, the reality is Ananias put himself in a place to hear the voice of God on a regular basis. I don't believe this was a one-time thing. I don't think he, he just woke up one day and said, you know what, today would be a good day to read some scrolls and maybe take some time to pray. I don't think so. I think it was a regular part of who he is. Uh, uh, I, I'm not a farmer, but I play one in my backyard. Uh, and so I just, I just built this little flower bed and, and I started gardening, right? And, and last year or this spring, uh, I, I went and got some good dirt and, and then I planted some vegetables and actually my eggplants killed this year. Man, I came up with every possible recipe on eggplants as you can imagine. But let me just tell you about my soil. My soil was something called puyai. Okay, so when I, when I went to go get dirt, I, 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 don't, I don't know what's in it, but I just like the name of it, okay? And, and they assured me, oh, this is the top stuff that we've, we sell, puyai. It's like, well, fill up my truck. I, I want some puyai. So I, 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 it's good dirt. And man, it just looked good. And man, my stuff just boop, took off. That was in the spring. And you know, when it came, I, I just planted my uh, little fall crop, my winter crop. Can I tell you about it real quick? I planted some Brussels sprouts, okay? Who likes Brussels sprouts? I don't, okay? I really don't. But I just like the way they look, okay? That's why I got them. And, and, and so I'm just looking forward to those little sprout things. And so that's going to be fun. I put some garlic. Everybody loves garlic. Put some onions and then put some uh, cauliflower. You can always do something with cauliflower too, you know? So that's my thing. But can I tell you something? As I'm back there, it's, you know, uh, breaking up my, my ground, my puyai was hard as a rock, do you know that good soil 
when it's not water becomes hard? Think about that for a second. Why should we read the scripture on a regular basis? Because it's the watering of our heart. Why should we listen to the scripture on a regular basis? Because it's the watering of our hearts. You know, your heart can get as hard as, as I'll get out. You, you could have had the most incredible, you know, uh, conversion experience ever. But if you don't take time to water the heart of your soul, you know, dude, you can get as hard and crusty as I'll get out. Anyway, just food for thought. So he's a disciple. He's a disciple. How many of you remember where you were for 9-11? How many of you remember where you were? Man, pretty much everybody remembers where they were. Do you know that on 9-11, there was a couple of different things. There was stories within stories, of course. But you know when that first tower, that south tower fell? All of a sudden, uh, first responders, there were helicopters up in the air because it caught them off guard. They did not anticipate the tower coming down. But once the first tower went down, all of a sudden they start scrambling, checking out the North Tower. Do you know that the North Tower, as the helicopters were up there, all of a sudden they're starting to see the indications and they begin to scramble and tell people to get out. All the first responders get out of the building. They, they put that call out about 20 minutes before the tower actually fell. Do you know that most policemen got out? Do you know there were 121 firemen that did not but could have? You know why they didn't get out? They didn't get out because they were on a different frequency than everybody else. The message went out. They just were not tuned in. What is it that God is speaking to you and you're just not tuned in? What if God is speaking to you and you're on a different channel? You know what the scripture says? The scripture says it is our sin that separates us from God. Now, let me just throw this out to you. A lot of times people say, well, Eric, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything I know, but I've got this little thing I'm holding on to, or I've got this little thing I'm holding on to, and I'm not hurting anybody. But can I tell you something? Your sin affects other people. It really does. See, the reality is, if you are allowing sin, habitual sin, into your life, what that means is you're not adequately hearing the voice of God. And, and by not hearing the voice of God, man, God could be telling you to do something. Ananias, go do this. Hey, Eric, go do this. But you're not hearing it because you've allowed sin to take up residence within your heart, within your life. That's the reason why fear will, will grip you every time. See, hearing the voice of God is one of the most important things any of us will ever do being obedient to his word and listening to it on a regular basis. So we've got to make sure that we're in right place, the right place to hear the voice on a regular basis. A while back, I, I had a, a young man who um, basically said, hey, I'm, I'm um, living with my girlfriend and I'm trying to, I'm trying to break it off. <laughs> you know, we're, we're actively in sin, uh, but I'm trying to break it off. And it's like, well, you're not trying too hard, Okay. Not trying too hard. Well, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he wanted to do something. And I said, okay, well, I'll let you do this if you look me in the face right now and tell me that you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, that you denounce Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. And he looked at me and he goes, dude, I would never do that. 
And it's like, why not? Well, because it's not true. I said, well, the scripture says, if you claim to be a brother, yet you're sexually immoral, that I shouldn't have anything to do with you so that you would repent of your sin and come back to faith. That's what the scripture says. See, the thing is, we live in a time frame where, where we've, we've lowered the bar on so many different things. Can I just tell you something? That's not me. That's scripture. You know, people think, well, Eric, you're just trying to ruin all them young people's fun. <laughs> no, I'm trying to save them from the heartache of what all that brings. There's all kinds of side effects to all of that. Sexuality is a powerful thing. It's so powerful, it was designed and crafted to keep a man and a woman in right relationship for all of life. That was the design. But unfortunately, people have taken it to all kinds of different ways. The thing is, we've got to come to a point of understanding the importance of making sure that we're in a place to hear the voice of God making sure we're walking free from whatever sin that would so easily entangle us. The thing is, we have people that I call (laughs) Christian-ish. We live in a time frame that, to me, there's a difference between a disciple and somebody who's Christian-ish. Christian-ish is just a little bit of Christianity on me. Maybe I got a tattoo, put a scripture on my arm uh, or or something of that effect. You know, wear the cross. I show up every now and then kind of a thing. Can I just tell you something? Do you know one of the scarier uh, portions of scripture for me is the one that says, Lord, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we? And it's like, dude, all right, let's just take a poll. When's the last time somebody in here cast out a demon? Anyway, don't raise a hand. <laughs> but they were doing all these ex- exploits. And Jesus said, What? Depart from me, for I never knew you. And somehow we think because I dropped a little money in a can or, or I, I sacrificed on a Sunday morning that the Lord should let me in. Let that sit for a minute. I think there's a, there's a huge difference. We've got to get to a point. I think we lose track of the purpose of the Christian faith. Jesus didn't die on the cross to make bad people good. Being good isn't the goal. There's a lot of good people in the world. The reality is he came to save sinners, of which I was the head. And he saved us so that he would bring us into relationship with himself so that you and I then will become the hands and feet of Jesus. See, wherever it is that you find yourself, whatever employment, whatever place you will find yourself in life, as a born-again believer, guess what? You have a responsibility to be the hands, feet, and mouthpiece of God on this earth. And you know what? You've got to have have your heart ready to be spoken to at any given point. And you know what? There's going to be a time where God's going to say, hey, you know what? At work, people are making a lot of different remarks. Boop. Hey, Joey, I need you to speak and lay hands on this person. What? We've got to understand we're here for the sake of other people. This is not about you sliding into home base. (laughs) I made it. That's not how the Christian faith should be lived. We should be living in such a way to where, you know what? I've become a rescue worker. I've become a first responder. I've become a person who's concerned about the souls of men and women. I've become the person in my family who will stand up and shout 
loud and clear the importance of knowing Christ. The reality is some of us are parts of families that are so messed up and so dysfunctional. But by the grace of God, he reached down and he saved you. By the grace of God, he reached down and brought you into a loving relationship with himself. And now he says, hey, I need you to be my disciple. I need you to be my mouthpiece. I need you to do this. Dude, we get so caught up in our own little world that we forget about the world around us. I love Ananias. I love Ananias for this sake, that he hears the voice of God and he moves and responds and does something. But he's concerned about others uh, and not just about himself. The second thing that we see is this. Ananias is, is human. I'm talking to a room full of humans, okay? We, we all have our warts. We all have our shortcomings. We all have our stuff. Acts chapter 9 and verse 13, Lord Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done. So just in case, Lord, you did not realize, I just want to remind you, this is a bad dude. This is a bad cat. This, this guy, he's from the other side of the tracks. And, and I don't know if you understand, but he has come over here <laughs> to do harm to people like me. And so I just want to remind you, I just want to remind you of that. How many of you like astronauts? Like them astronauts. You got to love astronauts. Um, now, here's the thing. Astronauts get to do this really cool thing. They get to go into outer space. And when they get into outer space, there's this thing called zero gravity. Zero gravity. What does zero gravity do? Dude, you get to fly around. You can flip. You can do whatever you want, right? It's just so cool. Zero gravity. That's kind of like stress-free. How many of you want a stress-free life? Oh, man, stress-free. You'll never get married. But uh, <laughs> stress-free, you'll never have a mother-in-law. Stress-free, you'll never have kids. I mean, come on, right? Stress-free, you'll never own an automobile. you never have a job. I mean, come on. The reality is life is full of it, right? But here, man, these astronauts going to outer space, they're doing all their flips, they're doing all this stuff. Do you know they've done studies on the astronauts when they come back? There's a couple of different things. The longer they spend out there in, in, in outer space or at zero gravity, they come back and, and they have heart problems. They have pulmonary issues because of the zero gravity. Oftentimes they have trouble walking uh, because it's, it takes a while to kind of get the circulatory system working back properly, uh, all those kinds of things. And if you spend too much time, it will do ultimate harm uh, to your body. Why? Well, because God designed you and I for a stress, for this thing called gravity. And it's the way that we're physically built. Do you know that spiritually, if you don't have any stress going on in your life, you're probably not growing spiritually? Think about it. <laughs> Do you know, you know how we get a little stress in our life? When we're concerned about other people. You know, if you're not growing spiritually, you need to get some other people in your life. Hey, you know, there's people that we like, man. There's people we enjoy doing stuff with. And that's our go-to. You know, when you think about going out to eat or going to do something, you think of your go-to people, right? The people you like, the people that like what you like, the people that smell like you, the people that think like you. That's what we, that's our go-tos, right? And then there's these other people that God brings in our life, right? The people that we say, bless their heart, <laughs> right? Bless their little heart. 
right? Those people come about because why? Well, because you need the stress. You need the stress. You know something? Some of my greatest growing time spiritually is because I'm pouring in and concerned about somebody else. And there's people that, you know, let's, let's just go ahead and be honest. There are people that are more knucklehead than you. Okay, right? And, and you know, bless their heart. You know, they, they come into our lives and we've got an opportunity to do something, to see them come to faith or to grow in the faith. And man, sometimes it just seems like it's taken forever and ever and ever. But guess what? That's gonna help refine who you are. I really believe God brings those people for a purpose and for a reason. And I think the thing is we do everything we can to avoid it, but man, we need that kind of stress. We need that to grow in our faith. We need that to be able to look somebody in the face and, and say with confidence, this is what God can do for you. And we've got to be able to genuinely believe it. A number of years ago, I had a young man from, from, from uh, Malaysia. He just struggled. Struggled on a regular basis, uh, up and down emotionally, up and down emotionally. And then, you know, he would always call me in the middle of the night, wants to end it, wants to end it. And, you know, I was very patient, very patient. And just one night, it was just like, okay, bro, <laughs> where are you right now? Oh, I'm over in Stokes. Okay. And you're talking about jumping off that building? Yes, I am. I said, you're not going to die. That's only three stories. You're just going to break a leg. You want to die, you need to go over to Griffin. That building's higher. <laughs> I said, oh, wait, hang on, I'll be over there. So one o'clock in the morning, I go to his room. And he's just talking about how bad it is and how he wants to end it all. I said, okay, well, let's walk over to Griffin. And uh, so I start, <laughs> and his eyes are just like, are you serious? And it's like, well, man, I just want the best for you. I mean, if you, if you really, really want to end it, I mean, do it right, you know? I said, oh, oh, by the way, um, before you do that, let me just tell you something. Um, my wife and I are getting divorced. What? He just loved my wife. I mean, he just, uh, you know, my wife hung the moon. You can't do that to her. You can't. And it's like, hey, I'm not. I'm just pulling your leg. Because guess what? My wife and I made a decision when we got married. There was no talk of divorce. And we quit talking about that. We never say that. We never threaten that. Just like you as a born again believer should not threaten to throw yourself off a building. Now stop it. Okay, I am not Dr. Phil, and that is not my advice to you guys. That was my personal life, and guess what? It worked. The young man's married now, married a beautiful Chinese woman, which is amazing because he's not that good looking, and reproduced <laughs> buku little Chinese children. It's absolutely wonderful, uh, and loves the Lord today. But I need those kinds of people. You need those kinds of people uh, in your life. To be human, to be human, to be human. It's okay to say, Lord, what about this? Lord, what about that? Do you know that in, in the Jewish mindset and the Hebrew mindset of the day, open dialogue with God was okay. Open dialogue was not, a, was not a thing of, oh, you don't have the faith. No, no, no. Read the Psalms. David was very honest. People were very honest. Hey, boom. Jesus was very honest honest. Lord, if there's a way to not have this cup, there's a way. Man, I sure would rather go that way. But 
not my will. Your will be done. It's okay to have the doubts. It's okay to have that moment. But then ultimately we have to make the choice, not my will, your will be done. Acts 15, or 9.15, but the Lord said to Ananias, go. Go, by the way, is the most common response from the Lord in scripture. Go. You know what? Hey, you said what you had to say? Go. Oh, I hear you. He's a terrorist. <laughs> go. You don't want to go to the shelter. I get it. <laughs> go. Right? And that's the most common thing. That's the most common thing. It's okay. It's okay. You know, uh, throughout scripture, we see God calls Abraham, go to a new land. You know, uh, the disciples go. Boom. So it's, it's one of those things. Now, here's the final thing. So he's a disciple, he's human, but then ultimately he's faithful. Ultimately he is faithful. Acts 9, 17, then Ananias went to the house, entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road coming here has sent me. Boom. Now, here's the thing. If you read it, you'll see an incredible speed between the front door opening and, and Ananias doing what he was supposed to do, right? And, oh, by the way, he took it up a notch. The Lord just simply said, go and do this. But, man, he goes in, and he's going to place hands on him, <laughs> which means he gets up close and personal. He puts himself at a very vulnerable place, and then he affirms the fact that the man is, is a believer. You know what? I believe before the door was open, he decided that he was going to decide to do that. See, there comes a point where when we have to do something and we feel the Lord calling us to do something, then we've got to be able to kind of take that step and go. I don't know about you, I like monkeys at the zoo, but other people like the lion business. The lion is kind of cool. Lion is kind of cool. Do you know that the lion here, he kind of gets the rep of being the king of the jungle, right? And he's got the big loud voice and the whole bit. But do you know that in the little lion world, you know who really does the hunting the women. <laughs> it's like going to Sam's, man. But anyway. <laughs> so, but, but he, he looks all cool. He looks like, man, everybody's afraid of him, right? But can I just tell you this? The lion and the little lioness, they have a little scheme they've worked out in order to get them gazelles. You know, them gazelles are pretty quick, right? And they got the long horns, so if you don't get them at the right angle, it'll mess up your palate. But um, so, so the thing is, what they do is the little lionesses will drop back in the bush and then the big lion will make his way out, sneak around, and then he gets in front of the gazelles. And then at the right moment, all of a sudden he steps up. And the little gazelles go, ah, lion! And they turn and run away from him and do what? Right into the mouth of the lionesses. Isn't that sweet, kids? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Do you know something? If the gazelles had any sense, they would do what? They would do what is counterintuitive, and they would run to the roar. If you run to the roar, you're going to live. You know something? The enemy prowls around like a lion. 
And you know what? He will come up and he will roar and make all this noise. And we're like little gazelles. Oh! And we turn. It's a cockroach! Oh! <laughs> and we run the other way. Instead of what? Run to the roar. Run to the roar. We have to ultimately learn how to run to the roar. Do you know something? You start thinking about some of the different things that you fearfully and have allowed fear to grip you. And man, there comes a point where you have to make a choice and you have to make a decision. You know, I'm not going to allow that to debilitate me any longer. I'm not going to allow that to keep me in a cage. As a matter of fact, when, when that fear comes and that roar comes, I'm going to learn how to run to the roar. You overcome it. You overcome your fear by faith followed by faithfulness. A faith in God that begins to well up. A faith in God. A faith in God that's going to take some time to develop and grow. You're going to have to get yourself into the word. You're going to have to get yourself in church. You're going to have to get yourself hearing the voice of God on a regular basis. You're going to have to know that the the Lord's spoken to you to do this and do that and take those little steps because every little step you take is going to make that bigger step so much easier. And then ultimately, we have to learn to run to the roar. Eric, you can have this house, $90,000. What? $90,000? Okay, we'll take it. (laughs) With much fear and trepidation. He goes, oh, great, great. Hey, Eric, here's the deal. $90,000, we just need the money in 90 days. Now, I was a theater major, okay? Math, not my strong suit. (laughs) Mathematically challenged. But $90,000, 90 days, even I can figure that out. All I need is $1,000 a day. What? (laughs) Where am I going to find that? In faith, in faith. This church was a part of that. This church gave $10,000 during that time frame. But let me tell you something. We were believing God for $1,000 a day. And guess what? At day 45, we've gone to every possible church we could go to. And guess how much money we had? $45,000. Now, isn't that cool? Isn't that cool? So we have a board meeting. And we've got all these young pastors around the board. And there's one old pastor, Pastor King from First Assembly. He's sitting in the board meeting. Pastor King's not saying a word. And we're going through everything. And then all the young guys are like, well, now with $45,000, we can go to a bank and borrow the other $45,000. Remember, I got laughed out of a bank, right? So I'm not feeling this. I'm not feeling this at all. But we're going round and round and round and round and round. And about 20 minutes in, Pastor King, I think he was sleeping or something. I'm not really sure. But but he just slapped his hand down. Brother Truell. Couldn't say my name right, but it was Okay. Brother Truell, how much money do we have? Well, Pastor King, we've been talking about this for a while. Um, (laughs) We have $45,000. Okay. Brother Truell, how many days has it been? Well, Brother King, it's been 45 days. Brother Truell, I think God's been faithful. Shouldn't we believe him for the other 45? Dude, all the young guys put their heads down. Yes, yes, we should have faith. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But here's the deal. We all agreed. 
We, a figurative thing, they pray, they leave, I'm it. They leave. Two minutes, a man walks in. Eric, hey, I was at that service when you came in, in, up in, you know, Opelousas. And in, in that particular service, the church gave $300. And it was like, man, we were doing so good. And all of a sudden, Phew. he goes, my wife and I were sitting in this service. And man, we just felt compelled to be a part of this. We wrote the check, but we didn't feel the release to give the check. Really? Really? Yeah, this morning I woke up and just felt like the Lord said, go bring the check. Well, praise the Lord. He hands me the check. I open it. It was for $10,000. Okay. From that point to day number 85, we were tracking $5,000 ahead every day. Day 90, we have 115000 And so we were able to buy the house, cash, and then renovate. Now, I tell you this story this morning because I really believe, for me, that was gorgantuan. Well, guess what? Years later, if you go, you come and check out the property, we own over a million and a half dollars worth of property now that within the 50,000 range, we're, we're just about 100% debt free. But I will tell you, there was incredible fear that first time around. The next few steps, not as much fear. And guess what? Then I'm able to instill in others, how to believe and, and see God do things. I'm able to stand here this morning and say, you know what? I don't care what the fear factor is that you're dealing with. I really believe God is wanting you to overcome whatever fear it is that you have. I believe, number one, you need to hear the voice of God. And if you're here this morning and you don't know him in a personal way, that's step one, knowing Jesus if you're here this morning, and let me just say this, if you're here this morning and death is one of those things that, that trips you up and, 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 and brings fear into your heart, I'm going to say this, it's probably because you're not genuinely born again. Now, it doesn't mean that we don't have a hesitation. I don't have a death wish on me. Believe me, I want to live. But I also know where I'm going when I step over from this life to the next. But if you've got that fear, I want to pray with you this morning. I want to see God do something in your heart. I want to see you come to know him in a personal way. If you know Jesus in a personal way, but man, there's still some issues. There's still some stuff, either financial, relational, whatever it may be. I believe God wants to give you the faith to overcome whatever fear it is that you have this morning. So would you bow your heads with me right now? I believe God is wanting to instill in some of you the importance of running to the roar. Father, I just pray right now that by the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit, Father, you know every heart, you know every, every life, you know every individual. And Father, this morning, believing that there are individuals here today who have not yet given their heart and given their life 100% over to you. I pray that the drawing power of your Spirit speak loud and speak clear. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, just out of respect. If you're here this morning and say, Eric, I personally have never ever given my life to Christ. But this morning, I want to do that. I want to do that. Would you just slip up a hand as, as an indication that you saying, hey, I want to make sure that before I walk out of this place, I'm in right relationship with God. I want to know him in a personal way. If that's you this morning, nice and high so I can see it. I don't want to miss anybody. Thank you. Anybody else say, Eric, that's me. That's me. That's me. 
We're going to pray a real simple prayer. I'm going to ask everybody in the house to pray this prayer. And this is a prayer of repentance, putting you in a right relationship with God. Let's pray this out loud together. Dear God, I recognize that I'm a sinner and that my sin has separated me from you. I don't want that anymore. Jesus, I believe you died on that cross for the forgiveness of my sins. And today, I ask you to come into my heart, come into my life. I desire to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Hey, if you pray that prayer for the very first time in the pew in front of you, there's a little green card that says, I made a decision. If you wouldn't mind, fill that out and and give it to one of the uh, uh, attendants here before you leave. So fill that out. Just look in front uh, and grab that. Last thing we're going to do here. If you're here this morning and say, Eric, you know what? There's some issues. There's some fear factors. There's some stuff that's going on. I I just want to ask somebody to stand in prayer with me. I want to overcome this. I don't want fear to keep me in a box. I want to break free. If there's some issues going on with you, why don't we all go ahead and stand? I want to take a few moments and I, I just want to want to pray with you because I believe that in, in today's world, I mean, so many people are wrought with fear about what's going to happen to quote unquote our country. Can I just simply say this? This is not our, our, our resting spot. You understand what I'm saying? This isn't the kingdom that, that I'm putting everything on. I'm putting on a bigger kingdom and my kingdom wins hands down every time, right? So I, I'm casting my ballot <laughs> once and for all for Jesus, period. But maybe there's some issues. Maybe there's some issues. Why don't you just step out from where you are and make your way down here and we'll have some uh, folks, we'll, we'll take a few moments and we wanna pray for you. Uh, overcoming fear, overcoming fear, Amen. Come on down, come on down, come on down. Thanks. And if any of our our prayer partners, uh, you guys would come as well, and we're going to go ahead and take a few moments. As they make their way forward, I want to ask everybody in the congregation to to pray with us right now. I just want to pray release of of faith in the house. I just want to pray release of faith in the house this morning. Join me in prayers as people continue to come. Father, we just pray right now that by the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit, by the power and the anointing of your Holy Spirit, Father, have your way here this morning. Have your way here this morning. Father, I'm believing you right now in the name of Jesus to break free, break free, break free in the hearts and lives of individuals this morning. Lord, we come against a fear of failure. We come against uh, a fear of the future. We come against uh, a fear in the area of finances. We come against all these fears that the enemy will do what he can to debilitate us. And Father, I pray faith now in the name of Jesus. I pray faith now in the name of Jesus that you have your way. You touch hearts, you touch lives, you set individuals free this morning, now, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, right where you're at. If, if, if you just need a, a special touch of faith in your own heart, just lift your hands right now as a sign of surrender uh, and receive that from the Lord this morning. Receive that from the Lord this morning. Father, you are good and you give good gifts. So Lord, I pray, I pray your freedom. 
I pray your Holy Spirit freedom now in hearts and in lives. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Father, you're good. You are good. You are good. You are good. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Have your way. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.